We're going to be hearing from God's words today from Acts 4, verse 32 up to 5.11. All the believers were in one heart and one mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had with great power, and the apostles uh, continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land of houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, who the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said. That's the price. Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. These are God's words. Evening, everyone. My name's Scott. I'm the student minister. I thought we'd start this evening by having a bit of a practical exercise. So the guys at the back are going to pass around the offering plates, and we're just going to we're just going to see what happens. <laughs> see, uh, see where we get to. Um, no, that that's not that's not what we're going to do. But. Uh, in, in, interesting passage, hey? Um, we often um, we often romanticise the early church, don't we? We think, oh, wouldn't wouldn't it be wouldn't it be great to have been part of the early church? You know, so much excitement, um, so many people becoming Christians every day, and the apostles doing such great signs and wonders. But then this was this also happened. Um, if you if you lied about your giving, uh, you'd be buried that afternoon. It's uh, pretty stark. So uh, let's, let's pray as we come to this passage and we'll, uh, as we look at it together, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for us. Father, when we come to a passage like this, um, help our hearts to be humble. And as you challenge us, particularly as we think about money, Father, would you work in our hearts, the, the same faith that you gave to the early church as they shared everything that they had. And Father, guard our hearts from, uh, from the boasting, from the lies that received your judgment here. Father, change us, we pray, uh, by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here, here is a passage all about uh, money. And it's often, uh, we often say that we don't like talking about money. But then you get to a week like this week um, with the autumn statement, and every, the only thing that anybody's talking about is money. 
Um, every article on the BBC website is like, how much money have I lost because of the autumn statement? How much money uh, will, the, will this get? We're, we're just talking about money the whole time. And actually, we're much, uh, we're much happier to talk about money uh, than, we, than we think. What we don't like talking about, what we don't like being challenged on, is our attitude to our money and the things that we spend it on. That, uh, that's what we find much harder uh, to talk about. Especially, I guess, when you read um, a verse like verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. What a difference the gospel made to these early Christians. And in some ways, we, we want to be a church like that. Or at least we want to be a church like that in theory until it gets costly, which would be the rally, wouldn't it? These, these early Christians, first Christians, they understood that if the gospel was true, then it had massive implications for their attitude to their money and in practice how they spent it. And so as we look at it um, this evening, it, it is, it's going to challenge us. It will be uh, challenging to think about these things together. We're sort of parachuting back into Acts after a few weeks away. So let me, let me remind us um, where we're at. Um, Luke, the author, is recording uh, the spread of the gospel, the spread of this Jesus movement uh, across, uh, across the world. And he's showing us that the message of the risen Lord Jesus is credible, is good for society, we'll see that a bit this evening, and is messy. It spreads in a messy way. It's not always straightforward, and we'll definitely, we'll definitely see that. Um, just before uh, our passage, four, chapter 4, verse 31, um, this is what happened. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Here is a, a spirit-filled church proclaiming the gospel to those around them. It's growing um, literally every day. But it's also messy, not straightforward. And we saw last time, if you can remember, that, that, that Satan was attacking this new church from without. There was persecution um, on the early Christians. And now here in, in particularly in chapter five, he's, he's attacking it from the inside through lies. And lies particularly about money. Lies that threaten to divide uh, and destroy the early church. Okay, what, where, where are we going? What are we going to see? Um, we'll see firstly that the headline in verse 32 to 35, the church loved the truth and were one together. And then we get two examples, a good example and a bad example. The good example, Barnabas. Barnabas loved believers and sacrificed money. And the bad example, Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira, who loved money and sacrificed the truth. That's where we're going. Firstly, then, the, the church loved the truth and were one together. These early Christians, they loved the truth of the gospel and they were being transformed by it. And what did this genuine spirit-filled community look like? Well, verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, 
And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Here is real unity among the the believers. They were one in heart and mind, not just a sort of surface level um, unity, but at the deepest level. And that affected their attitude to their stuff and to their money. No one claimed their possessions as their own, but they shared everything they had. Let's just be clear um, what this is and what this isn't. The, The early Christians, they haven't sort of deserted the world they haven't sort of given up everything and, and gone to live in the woods in a sort of commune all together um, in a sort of little holy huddle. You know, they are, they're still out there in the world witnessing to the risen Lord Jesus. But they're in it together, genuinely together. So much so, so, much so that they share everything they have. And see, it, it, it's not just in theory, isn't it? And we, we kind of like the idea that we would share everything, you know, mi casa, su casa, you know, make yourself at home. Like no one actually ever says that. But, um, but it's not just in theory that they're sharing their, their stuff. It's in action. Like they're actually doing it. And when there was a need, some people would sell some property and give the money to the apostles to share with whoever had need. It is genuine, costly sharing of their resources. It's not just, you know, anyone want to borrow my Netflix password? This is, do you want to to borrow my house? Do you want my house? Here here are my keys. Whatever you make of that, it is pretty impressive, isn't it? And pretty distinctive. Lots of people down down through history have have tried to sort of um, create this sort of um, level playing field society. Um, I guess... Um, most sort of obviously, you know, communism, everything is sort of in, in shared ownership. But of course, even, even con- communism didn't work, did it? Um, apparently, Khrushchev said this. I don't know if this is a genuine quote. Um, uh, I can't find him actually saying it anywhere, but I, I hear lots of people quoting him as saying it somewhere in slightly dubious ways. But it's a good quote anyway. So may- maybe Khrushchev said it, maybe he didn't. He said this, um, former Soviet, uh, Soviet leader, the failure of communism is the failure to create a selfless man. See what he's saying there? The, f- the failure is a failure to create a selfless man. That is, no matter how much you try and top-down impose something on people, those in power will always use their power to their own advantage. And just, just for the sake of balance, um, free market capitalism is, is sort of no better, is it? Um, Trossonomics. Um, which we had for all of whatever it was, 44 days. Um, you know, make, make, the, make the rich richer, give them more of their money, and eventually it'll sort of trickle down um, to everyone else and, uh, and make everyone better off. And, you know, the markets, whoever, whoever they are, some of, you, some of you are the markets, I think. My, my understanding of some of your jobs, you are the markets. That's basically who I picture when, when the BBC News says the markets say. The markets, you know, told... told Trustonomics, where to go? Didn't you know? It, it doesn't work. Anyway, what what we see here in Acts four is is not top down, um, some sort of ideology. It is voluntary. It's it's grassroots. 
It's genuine sacrificial giving in response to the gospel, in response to the needs of other Christians. And the point is only God's spirit could change people's hearts like that. And that is what God's spirit is doing uh, here. Now we'll, we'll, we'll come on in, into, we'll come on to in a, in a moment whether we should expect this today, whether we should be acting uh, like this today. But at the very least, just seeing how the early church understood the stuff it had should challenge us, shouldn't it? It should challenge our incredibly individualistic way of, of, of thinking about what is, what is mine. You know, it's, it, it, it's my money. I mean, it, it's my house. I've worked hard for it. You know, occasionally we, we, we extend that a little bit further, don't we? We say, you know, this is my, we talk about this is my family home or, you know, I, I, I'm trying to put something aside for, for um, my children and beyond. But do we ever imagine extending it to our brothers and sisters in Christ, our church family, the people who Jesus died for and to unite us together with? Do we ever dare to think, well, this stuff that God has given me, it is ours, not just mine? We're then given this example, an example of someone who gets it, Barnabas. Barnabas, who loved believers and so sacrificed his money. Verse 36. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Here's, here's the positive example. This guy, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus. And you might know him better as Barnabas. And we'll see him a few more times in Acts. And this guy is so encouraging that the apostles give him the nickname, son of encouragement, Barnabas. And he really is an encouragement. I think the, the point of naming Barnabas here is not necessarily to, to fully lift him up. It's just to give us an example. Here's someone who actually did this. It's not just theoretical. People were actually doing it giving up um, capital, giving up what they had for others. Which, which does bring us to the question then, are, are we meant to do this today? Is that the, the application that we're all to sell everything that we have and lay it at Matt Fuller's feet? Um, uh, it's, it's not demanded, is it? It's never demanded in Scripture that this is what we do. And we must note that not every individual is doing it, okay? Not everyone had to. Not everyone had the means uh, to do this. There obviously are some in the early church who are in need and had those needs met. So it's clearly not for everyone. What it meant to live out the gospel in relation to our money, well, it, did, it differed depending on who you were and your circumstances, Maybe, I guess, particularly at the minute, um, as we're very aware of our finances, we are called to be wise with the resources that God has given us. But that wisdom is so that we might share with others. The attitude is, is to be the same, isn't it? It's not just, we're, we're not to be wise for our own sake and so that we can have more. It is to be wise with what God has given us 
so that we can be generous. And I guess one way of thinking about it is if you're a mature believer, you should expect that to, to be obvious from your financial decisions. Ask yourself this question. Do, do my financial decisions look any different to my peers who aren't following Jesus? Or think of it this way. There, there should be things in my bank statement that can only really be explained by the work of God's Spirit. And if those things aren't there, well, then maybe I'm not as mature as I like to think. Now, look, you'll, you'll be pleased to know that I do not have access um, to your bank statements. So I've got, uh, I've got no idea. But I guess what I, what I do know from, um, from being around church um, a while is, is that this is going on in different ways, isn't it? Um, so let me flag again that the Deacon's Fund, which is a fund at church, um, which uh, different people give to at different times when they're able, that anyone in the church family can access when, when times are hard, when they're really struggling. Um, that, that happened through covid and when people lost their jobs or lost their income, and Deacon's Fund provided. Um, I imagine it, it'll keep happening and maybe increasingly happen through, uh, through cost of living and inflation the way it is. Lots of it, um, there's the Deacon's Fund, lots of it will be, will be unseen um, in DG groups as, as need comes, and people in that group decide to, to meet it together and help each other out. It is happening in different ways, but it's still a challenge when we read this, isn't it? That attitude, that example of Barnabas. When we love God's people, we are willing to to sacrifice our our money. That's Barnabas. Um, He's a good example. And then we get to to Ananias and, and Sapphira, who loved money and sacrificed the truth. Let me read again from verse from chapter 5, verse 1. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his, with his wife, Sapphira, so, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back a part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down dead at his, at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. 
what, what, what is it that Ananias and, and Sapphira have done? Well, they, they've sold a bit of property and brought the proceeds to the apostles. Um, let's, let's say, we're not told exactly what, but let's say, um, for the sake of argument, they, they, they have a second home. And they'd done well for themselves, and they'd invested well about 30 years ago. So, you know, when you could buy a house for like 10,000 pounds, and now it's worth like 2 million pounds. So they think, um, you know, they, they've, they've got a bit of spare. And there's a, there's a big need in the, in the church. And Ananias and Zephyr think, well, maybe we could meet that. Maybe there's a, a, a fellow believer who's just lost their job because they've become a Christian. And they've been, they've been kicked out of their workplace. And they think, well, well maybe. Let's, let's sell our second home and, and give that money to the apostles. And we're thinking, wow, how generous. I mean, it is generous, isn't it? Except that it seems they've implied or, or probably more explicitly said that they're going to give it all. They're going to give 100% of what they've got for it, and they haven't. And that is described as Satan filling their heart, lying to the Holy Spirit, lying to God, and conspiring to test the Spirit of the Lord. It doesn't, it doesn't get much more serious than that, does it? Lying to God. So much so that it is Satan who is behind it. Why do they do it? What is their motive? We're not explicitly told. And maybe it was mixed. Maybe they, they genuinely did want to help out. But given that we've just been told about Barnabas and the, the encouragement, the reputation that he got, maybe, maybe Ananias and Sapphira, well, they want a reputation like Barnabas. They want a nickname too. They want to be the, the husband and wife of encouragement but they want that without the cost. Now, look, they, they weren't required to give it all, were they? Peter makes that clear. Look, it's yours. It was yours all along. You, you, you do with it as you see fit. But it's the fact they lie about it. That is the, that is the real issue. And, and the, the judgment is pretty swift, isn't it? Ananias drops dead and is buried. And just three hours later, his wife comes in. She's given the opportunity explicitly to, to change the story, to repent. And she point blank lies. And she falls down dead. We, we read that, don't we? And we think, gosh, it's, it's a bit much. It's a bit extreme. Is it really that serious? Should we expect um, this to happen today? Should we expect it? The simple answer is, it, it, it is no, not, not explicitly like this. And we've got to remember that this is a, a particularly important point in the history of the church. And it is absolutely essential that the, the early church doesn't fall into lies about money. Why? Well, because... The reputation of the gospel is at stake. The very integrity of the gospel. If that first church um, just becomes like any other corrupt institution, then the gospel message just loses all its integrity. 
It's interesting as you look through Acts, all the threats that there are to the early church, and there are many, this is the one that, that, that God deals with decisively there and then. So you get, um, you get continually through Acts, persecution. You know, the, the, the early believers being persecuted and hounded again and again. And God allows that to continue. You get um, difficult pastoral situations. We'll see that um, in a couple of chapters' time. And God allows that to continue. But here, lies about money. Now, that needs to be dealt with. If you know, if you know your Bible, it, it reminds you, it, it, it's got echoes of a, a similar story in Joshua 7. Joshua 7, back in the Old Testament, the, the people of God had just arrived in the promised land. And Achan, a guy called Achan, um, sinned by, by stealing wealth, by taking stuff that, that should have been completely destroyed, that belonged to the pagan nations. God had said, destroy it all, get rid of it. And he thought, nah, I'll just keep, I'll keep some. And because of it, the, the, Israel was defeated in battle and people died and it was serious. When it was discovered um, that it was Achan who had sinned, he and his family were taken out and stoned. And it was serious. And the, the, the parallels were there. That, that as that first sin of the, the, the people of God in the promised land, it was deadly serious. It needed sorting out. And here, in the early church, the first sin from within the church, God deals with it. It is that serious. So, of course, there will, be, there will be Christians today who will lie about money, and they won't be immediately struck down for it. And that's not because suddenly it's okay. You know, it, it mattered more back then. It, it's, it's fine now. But I guess it, it's just not quite as damaging. It won't, it won't completely um, destroy the reputation of the church and of the gospel in, in one go. So, I, so we shouldn't expect, I don't think, this sort of immediate judgment in response to lies about money uh, today. But that doesn't let, let us off the hook. It is still serious. A lack of generosity is one thing, but lies about money, that's really serious. Why? Well, I guess because money is a key marker of our maturity. We've thought about that already. And sins around the issue of money. Well, they are a real danger. Um, if we remember what Jesus said about money, I had lots to say about money, but a couple that I think will come up on the screen. Jesus said this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Lies and deceit around financial issues, they are a sure way of showing you where your heart is, what you're really living for, who you're really serving. And that is especially true, isn't it, when, when it comes to issues of money in the church. This isn't just and what Ananias and Zephira do. It's not just some underhand deal at work, although I wouldn't recommend that either. It is, it is lies within the church. The world gets, doesn't it, that, that lies about money in the church is a pretty ugly thing. The world gets that. When, when it sees um, the, the Christian minister who encourages others to be sacrificial and generous, 
just before he jumps on his private jet and to go off to his Caribbean retreat. People get that there's a, there's a disconnect there. Um, or, or, or this story in the Washington Post about the preacher and his wife robbed of a million dollars worth of jewelry during one of his sermons. You know, so you think, oh, poor, poor pastor, his house got burgled while he was, you know, up there preaching. And they took $1 million worth of jewelry. I mean, what was the guy doing with $1 million worth of jewelry in the first place? Um, or um, if, if you follow the ever popular preachers and sneakers, I don't know if people still, um, people still do that. Um, it's, it's slightly tongue in cheek. It basically shows, um, shows a, a usually fairly well-known preacher um, and takes what they're wearing and shows you how much, um, shows you how much it cost and shows you how much their shoes, usually their shoes, um, were worth. For the record, um, uh, 40 pounds at the, uh, at the designer outlet in Wembley Park. Um, aside, bargain shoes are just one of many, many things that Wembley Park has going for it. So if you fancy a move there around next summertime, come, come chat. I would love, love to talk to you. Back, back to focus. Um, it, it, is, it is no wonder, is it, when the church looks at um, some Christians, at some Christian churches, that it can be pretty cynical about the gospel. See the impact that this has on not just the church, but, but everyone who hears about it. Verse 11, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. People got that their honesty about their money was an important thing. Lying about money was deadly serious. You'd think twice, wouldn't you, before you sort of humble boosted about your money and your giving. It's easy to laugh off, isn't it, a a pastor with his private jet or with his $1 million in jewelry, but it is deadly serious. And it's easy as well, and I realize I've done it, to to sort of point the finger at at a caricature out there you know, to, to spot the obvious ways um, in which, you know, celebrity pastors or prosperity preachers do it. But the same attitude lies in, in your heart and in mine. I guess, you know, f- for me, it's not, it's not expensive shoes that are the thing that I'm going to go to. But would I be happy for you guys to see my bank statement and see where my money goes? Not so sure. And I'm guessing um, people, people who do that, people um, like, like the examples we've sort of pointed out, they might well be thinking, look, I'm, I'm serving God. I probably deserve a little something in return. Maybe that's what Ananias and, and Zephyr were thinking too. And we might not ever say that out loud. Maybe we think, maybe we think oh, I'm actually being pretty generous. I deserve a little bit of recognition for it. And our hearts are messy, aren't they? Our motives will always be mixed. And there'll be a mix of good um, and bad motives. That's why particularly when it comes to money, Jesus would say, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Secrecy is, almost total secrecy is usually better. And so if we're ever tempted um, to, to boast or to exaggerate about our giving, however subtle 
uh, we do it. This passage would say, watch out. It is serious. I've given a couple of questions that we can think about. Um, you might want to um, think about afterwards. Um, the, the sort of soft option, the, easy, the easier option, if we could have them up on the screen, um, how does this challenge your attitude to money? The way the early church saw their money. But if, um, if you want a slightly more telling one, maybe, maybe you don't discuss it with someone else, but what does your bank statement tell you about your spiritual maturity? Let me close by, by just reminding us of the gospel. We will never outgive God. We thought about that earlier, didn't we, with that Philippians 2 passage. God has given his own son. Jesus given up his own life uh, to make us his people. We will never outgive God. And so if we've been changed by the gospel, it will show up. It must show up in, in our attitude to our money how we think about it, and how we spend it. And it will particularly show up as we resist the, the temptation to lie or to boast or to exaggerate about our money and our giving. It is a marker of our spiritual maturity. It matters that much. So let me leave you with that. What does your bank statement tell you about your spiritual maturity? Let me pray. Father, we, we don't like being challenged about our money. We don't like um, having, having to think about it. And yet, time and again, your word uh, calls us to do just that, to think about how we spend what you have given to us. Father, would we be so changed by the gospel, um, so filled with your spirit, that we love your people, and that we do consider everything that we have, that we don't claim it, any of it, as our own, but share with those who, who have need. Father, would you work that in? Would you, would you save us from the, um, the danger of lies and boasting and, and deceit about money? And would you work in us this generosity? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.